Chapter 9 Shrunk to a Nub Sergeant First Class Ford loves cigars. In fact, he's one of the few people I have ever met that can be called a cigar connoisseur. When Sergeant First Class Ford arrived on the strange planet of Iraq, he was very quickly made the president of the local cigar club. This, in and of itself, is not surprising, because while attending one of the smoky meetings of this club, Sergeant First Class Ford was asked why cigars have paper bands on them. Without pausing, he gave an informative lecture on how Mary, Queen of Scots, loved cigars but would not let her hand touch tobacco. Because she was uncomfortable using only one glove to handle the cigar, her advisors wrapped a small band of paper around it so she could grasp the cigar bare-fingered without sullying her royal digits. A shining example of why he's cigar club president worthy. What surprised me is that Sergeant First Class Ford informed me that he wanted to have me knighted as the vice president of the cigar club. I think it's because I'd pledged to be a supplier of cigars, not because I knew anything about them. But hey, vice president sounds pretty cool, and vice presidents never get too much media attention, unless they shoot someone on a hunting trip, which was not my plan at the time. One night, I was headed back to my room after a rigorous workout and a hasty dinner when I noticed a gathering of said cigar club around a community table outside. I decided to walk over and join them. Sergeant First Class Ford was regaling the crowd with several cigar-related adventures from previous deployments. When he saw me, his face lit up like his bright cigar, and he asked, Chaplain, what kind of cigar would you like? Now, as a potential candidate for vice presidency, I didn't want to say, I have no idea what brands of cigars exist. So instead, I diplomatically asked, What kinds do you have? He rattled off several to the oohs and ahs of the listening group, and after he had finished listing the Baskin-Robbins 31 flavors and all eyes turned expectantly to me, I was in no better shape than I was before to make a choice. It was similar to being at a fancy French restaurant trying to impress my French friends by ordering from a French menu and not knowing French, having no idea what the waiter had just spouted off as my choices. So I answered as smoothly as possible, why doesn't the president let me try his favorite? All smiles and nods from the group for a decision well made. I knew I was a shoe-in for the office. Proof that idiots do sometimes get hired to political positions, I suppose. You see, cigars not only have different names, but different levels of strength or death-like effect-producing potency in non-very-rarely-smoking individuals such as myself. And I had unwisely just asked a smoking expert who had spent years building up an immunity to iocane powder to give me his favorite dosage of the stuff. He reached into his treasure box and gingerly lifted with two tenderly cradling hands his cigar of choice. I am certain a light emanated from the humidor as he did so, and an unseen choir began singing as he reverently handed me his version of the Holy Grail. This is a nub, chaplain. He waited expectantly, so I quickly changed my face to a look of awe, which I assumed to be appropriate for the situation. For the sake of the other less informed members of the cigar club, he explained the nub. I listened in a non-interested manner as though this was common knowledge. He said, in cigar shops, people will smoke their cigars so that the Queen of Scots cigar band label can be seen by all. 
If I'm smoking a cheap cigar, I shall be shunned. If I'm smoking a Rolex equivalent banded cigar, people will gravitate towards me as though King Arthur had returned. All eyes turn back to me now, wide as though I was King Arthur suddenly made manifest. After all, it was I who held aloft the Excalibur of cigars, the fabled nub. In order to light the said cigar, Sergeant First Class Ford lit a long match, and I had to draw vigorously several times to make sure the flame took. It was then I realized my fatal mistake. I had just drawn into my mouth riot control strength CS gas, and had to look at my adoring fans, or at least the cigar's adoring fans, and let out a convincing, Ah, I wanted to cough and scream out, ah, shit, and run back into the barracks and inhale the fire extinguisher, which I'm sure would have been an improvement to my lungs. However, as this would not have been appropriate for a potential vice president of the cigar club, let alone for a chaplain, I smiled and wheezed slowly out, ah, and left the rest hanging in the air like a dangling modifier for my upcoming nightmares. The next hour saw us slowly drawing down the cigar's length. It was taking as long as a troop drawdown in the Middle Eastern star system. The club policy was no one was allowed to leave the table unless everyone had finished their cigars. When Sergeant First Class Ford spoke to First Lieutenant Acred as she started to leave for the bathroom 30 minutes into the adventure, he said, I know you're not leaving yet. Chap and I still have cigars left. I knew then I was doomed to my fate. So I made witty banner while the planet began to spin. I casually wiped away beads of sweat and thanked the Lord for the cover of night so that my greenish pallor could be hidden. Finally, we excused ourselves, and I stumbled gracefully to my room, turned off the lights, collapsed on my bed, and held on with two hands so I didn't fall off the spinning planet. At two o'clock in the morning, I finally woke up with a taste of nub fresh on my breath. And the realization that I was still fully clothed and an idiot, I could almost hear God smile and say, Want another one, son? <laughs>